Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Have you ever thought, not about death, but about how you would like to be cared for after you die? Maybe despite your efforts in this life to reduce your carbon footprint, what happens to your body after death has never crossed your mind. Well, today I had the honor of speaking with Katrina Spade, the CEO and founder of Recompose, a natural alternative to cremation and conventional burial practices. This is a beautiful and dignified conversation about an incredibly carbon positive and planet healthy form of death care. We talk about how the process works, how it helps the environment, and how we can reconnect with nature and produce life even after death. For anyone interested in supporting natural burial options like Recompose, there will be information at the end of the episode for doing just that. All right, on with the show. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what life was like before Recompose? Before I started this work, I was in graduate school for architecture. I went back a bit late. I was had already turned 30 and had tried out some different things like working at nonprofits and finance actually and realized that what I really loved to do was on my sort of nights and weekends was like design stuff for friends and and then realized like why not actually learn about architecture in a deeper way so I went back to grad school and kind of immediately started for various reasons looking into the funeral industry and how architecture and death have sort of an interplay Interesting. Wow. Well, I sometimes realize that like architecture is not just about buildings. It's also about systems and how humans use them. And Mm. and even more broadly, it's about the culture that we've created around us. And so from that perspective, architecture makes sense sort of as, as a springboard to looking at the death care industry. You're right. Absolutely. Architecture is a reflection of culture. It's a reflection of humanity. In what way have you tied architecture into funeral and death care? I had sort of a luxury of thinking about design and death care, you know, never thinking it would become my kind of life's work or my career. Wow, and yeah. so I was thinking about looking at the funeral industry, thinking specifically about what would my family do with my body when I died. We're, we're not a religious family and didn't have specific customs that we would be following. Mm-hmm. And so immediately realized that there were sort of two main options, plus a sort of a third, um, conventional burial, cremation, and then natural burial or green burial, which is where the body is buried directly in the ground without a casket, typically uh, sometimes just in a shroud and without embalming. And it's uh, very much a natural process. So I had on the one hand conventional burial and cremation and on the other natural burial and right away thought, okay, well, cremation and conventional burial are definitely not interesting to me. They're not appealing. They don't feel meaningful. And natural burial, where which typically happens in a, a rural setting because it does take up a fair amount of land and sometimes it's tied to conservation land. I thought how lovely except that I love living in cities and I love, I just feel more comfortable like in the urban fabric. And so how sad that if I died, or I should say when I die, I would have to leave my city and go out to the country in order to have a death care option that felt meaningful. Wow. Yeah, that was really the sort of early thought process. And so from there it was, is there a way to bring nature, which was where I felt much of the meaning around the end of life, kind of returning to nature was very meaningful to me. So is there a way to bring that nature into the city as opposed to having to leave the city to find it? And so that really was the beginning of everything. And I was thinking a lot about 
the essence of nature, which I think is not as much a tree growing or a forest, but maybe it's actually the creation of soil, which is, of course, all about decomposition. Yeah. And yeah, so thinking about all this stuff, and I was kind of a compost nerd already, but a friend of mine (laughs) called me and told me that, or asked me rather, if I'd heard about farmers' practice of composting whole cows. Wow. That's a flattering comparison. Which has been happening in the U.S. for decades. Yeah. I'm I'm similar to a whole cow. You're right. I could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, right, if you can compost a cow, you can certainly compost a human. So yeah. that was, again, that was like, that was a light bulb moment. So I have never, like, until I was talking with my dad and he was wearing his t-shirt that said, compost me, and this whole conversation came up, I had not really thought about how natural burial is an option. So the traditional burial system where you're in a casket, you're embalmed, and you're buried six feet under in a cemetery, or you're cremated. Those are the only two options that I had really heard of. And so that's amazing that you would even consider that the third option was there. Yeah, I guess I'd heard about it a little bit here and there. And then part of the design exercise was looking into the options and really understanding the funeral industry. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a great option. And so a lot of what I think recomposes work is is trying to kind of create the urban equivalent of Mm -hmm. a natural burial Mm -hmm. cool so what does that look like what's the architecture like and how do you recompose people so the basic concept is actually we're creating an environment that's very similar to the forest floor so on the forest floor you have um, leaf litter and sticks and fallen logs and the Mm -hmm. errant chipmunk (laughs) <laughs> and all of these uh, things, these, this dead organic material is made up of carbon and nitrogen and other things. Yeah. And it's decomposing with the help of oxygen and moisture. Mm-hmm. And as it decomposes, it creates topsoil. So that very basic concept that's happening all over the world all the time, we recreate inside of a vessel, which is a, essentially a large container. And we recreate it by using a certain mixture of natural materials that have the right balance of carbon and nitrogen. So specifically, we lay a bed of wood chips, straw, and alfalfa into the vessel. And we lay the body on top of that vessel. More of the same material gets put on top. And so the body is kind of cocooned in this mixture of wood chips and straw. And over a month's time, we provide oxygen to the vessel via a fan system and mix the material periodically. And over about a month, the whole body, including bones and teeth, break down. And what families get back is like a nutrient-rich soil amendment. Wow. That is so amazing. And it's only a month. I was thinking this was going to be like a year or two. So farmers do this with livestock and there's various systems that are set up. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more open air with wood chips over top of, say, a family horse Mm -hmm. and letting just natural aeration happen and not really controlling the environment as much. It might take up to a year. But because with Recompose, we really can make sure that the microbial activity inside the vessel, which is what is breaking everything down, is sort of taken care of as carefully as possible. So we're providing exactly the right amount of oxygen, making sure there's just the right amount of everything. That's amazing. And is there heat involved too? There is, but the heat is created entirely by the microbes. Right, So the the microbes at work are thermophilic, which means they're heat-loving, and they create and work at temperatures of about 120 to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And 
I don't know what that is in Celsius, but I should know. Yeah, it's fine. But it's I'll quite it hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so those temperatures both help break down the material quickly, and they are responsible for making sure the process is safe by destroying the, any harmful pathogens through the heat. Incredible. Right. Because some people are concerned about like dead anything, dead animals, dead bodies, sharing germs and bacteria and things like that and diseases spreading. So I'm sure people would be concerned about that. But yeah, one of my favorite sayings that I've heard now that I'm in part of the funeral industry is that it's much more likely that you would get sick from a live person than a dead one. That makes more sense. You're right. (laughs) So that's a good thing to remember. And it's also important that we're making sure that any harmful pathogens are killed. And then even your language surrounding all of this is so beautiful and restful and respectful. Like, have you had to learn a whole new vocabulary in entering the the world of death care? I would say that it's been a bit of an evolution. So on the one hand, sort of making the transition from something that was very theoretical and from a design concept to then actually working with families and thinking about people who are actively dying or whose family members are actively dying um, is just a just a different set of language or or tools absolutely um, around language at the same time I think mostly what I find people appreciate is a directness and a transparency when it comes to what we're doing and so there is I think a Uh, tendency for the broader funeral industry, the conventional funeral industry, to use euphemisms and not necessarily always get it what's what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And so Recompose from the beginning said, let's be a little different and, and work towards transparency. What we're offering is very different. People are very curious about it. So let's just be frank about all of it. And I think Uh, I could be wrong, but I think for most people that they appreciate that. I think so. I think that, you know, it's frankness, but your words of laying your loved one's body on a bed of rich material that will provide a beautiful topsoil in the end and um, using words like cocooned in all of this loving, it's, it's a very special, tender reconnection with all of this natural material. And mm, that's a nice way to put it. It's so beautiful. Like I was expecting with this episode, or I'm expecting with this episode that there will be kind of an ick factor talking about death and that people really struggle to talk about it. And so I'm jumping to another question or end of my question list. But how do we kind of re-educate a culture to consider this as an option that's a beautiful option that's not something that you have to be uncomfortable with or not look at it as disrespectful at all to just put a body not in an elaborate box but merely in the ground or merely in this vessel yeah you know i live in washington state and all over the u.s uh, and in canada the cremation rate is rising and it's rising pretty quickly so for for fewer and fewer people are really interested in putting their person or themselves into an elaborate box in the ground. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Partly it's that we less frequently live where we grew up. So to have someone in the ground there that you're supposed to visit when you might not necessarily go back to that place is less meaningful or important. And then also some people feel like it just doesn't resonate to have a person in the cemetery. And so then the default option is cremation. It's the other option to choose for most people. Mm -hmm. And so cremation is in in Washington state, we have 86% cremation rate. Whoa. And that's growing. And yet I've met few who are excited about the idea and who are not choosing it just as a default. So what hopefully sometimes don't even know that we have to do a whole lot of 
re-educating. But if we can provide this option and make it available to people and then let them decide, I think a lot of people seem to really want to choose it. Exactly. And even for those who are not drawn to the country, like for city-loving people, then cremation would again be a big option because there's just not much space left in the city. Yes. And so this really again, really beautiful architecture that's also surrounding this experience would also be an appeal to people, right? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, one of the things we decided early on, so basically, back in grad school, came up with this concept of essentially composting humans Mm -hmm. and have worked since then, uh, especially since 2014, on developing a system that would do that in a way that was both appropriate and technically uh, feasible and efficient. Efficient, exactly. And so we decided pretty early on that it wasn't enough just to offer this new option as a disposition method, which is like just how you literally dispose of a human body. Cremation is very much that in most places, especially in the U.S., I think cremation has become mostly just a disposition option. We have uh, not a whole lot of beautiful crematories where a person would go and, and spend time. Yeah. Although they could exist and they do exist elsewhere. Just it's not very common here. But Recompose early on was like, instead of just creating a disposition option, just being a processing center, let's also become a place where people can come and learn about this process. Hopefully feel connected to nature in some way, connected to the process of decomposition even. And also create a beautiful space for families to spend time in. So that's what we're doing now, and it's really exciting. We're designing Recompose Seattle, which will be the first place where this is offered and also hopefully a place that's really special for families to to spend time in. And we're looking at having it even function as kind of a community gathering space where we might have educational events um, and concerts Mm. in the space just to bring folks through when they're just curious not necessarily only when someone has died yeah so I've seen one image on your website of kind of a honeycomb um, structure where the bodies are laid and recomposing but then you've also got gardens and it's really bright and beautiful and it's such a lovely looking place to dwell and contemplate yeah that's the goal we really wanted to make it feel i mean on the one hand it actually takes quite a bit of material that you put inside of each vessel so you have this vessel system and inside of each vessel which is like a hexagonal shape if you imagine kind of extruded on its side and inside of each is a body and about three cubic yards of wood chips and straw and alfalfa which is it's a lot And so we also needed to be in a place that was big enough to house dozens of vessels so that each we could serve enough families because each person gets a whole vessel to themselves for a whole month, which Mm -hmm. is a long time, really. And then um, and also be able to move a lot of materials through. So we'll have deliveries of these materials and we'll need to move them through the space. And so we were immediately thinking we would look at a warehouse space, like a big old, ideally an old warehouse that we could make beautiful. And so we recently leased a space that is an old warehouse with big, beautiful wooden ceiling. But it's also just a large space to make because part of what we're doing is rather agricultural almost. Okay, um, yeah. Industrial, yeah. So... Um, and then also, but also working with a great architecture firm, I'm weighing in heavily on the design, but definitely I'm not the only architect mm-hmm. on the pro- on the project to make it also just be a space that's got light and green and thinking about it being kind of beautiful, kind of chapel-like. Mm. I think that even if someone is not practicing a particular religion to make it 
light and airy and beautiful really connects you with something beyond ourselves. So I think that that would really be important for people if they came to visit a loved one. Even visiting in an outdoor cemetery, you would be in nature, you would be in a quiet space that's usually kind of cut off from loud noises like cars and things like that. So that's beautiful. When a body arrives, you have all of the materials. Is the family around for the kind of packing of the vessel? Yeah, that's what we want to offer. So Recompose will be licensed as a funeral home, actually. So we will, our interaction with the family will begin when we pick up the body from the place of death. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're always looking to do is kind of encourage families to be as participatory as they want with the process, because it used to be that family and friends were who took care of the dead. And it's only in the past 150 years or so that the funeral industry has become the kind of professional experts in caring for a dead body. Yeah. It's not really all that complicated to do, actually. And so we want to make sure we bring back opportunities for families to, it may be as simple as helping our staff move the body off of the bed onto the gurney so that it can then be transported mm-hmm. to recompose Seattle, but not not always assuming that the family shouldn't have a part in it. So we will have refrigerated storage space on site because of course, bodies can't be embalmed if they're going to undergo this process. Exactly. Um, yeah. But refrigeration can slow decomposition for a number of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it can do it for longer than that, but we'll want to schedule. If families want to come and join us and help prepare the body for what we call the laying in, mm-hmm. we want to encourage that. It's actually part of the sort of package that we've created, the the whole package is for families to be there, spend time in the friends and family room, come into the the hive area with us and, Mm. um, and actually be part of laying the body into the vessel. So all of that, we love the idea that friends and family would create ritual around it, play music. They would kind of turn that into a funeral in a way. They wanted to bring in some of the other traditions like people saying nice things and uh, having their music and having the whole experience play Exactly. So we should talk about the environmental impact of this. This is kind of a new topic for us. We haven't really talked about death care, but what are some of the statistics of maybe carbon being diverted or carbon being sequestered when it comes to recompose? What are the kind of Uh, stats for carbon being released into the atmosphere with things like cremation. Yeah. So first of all, you have, there's sort of a waste component to being buried in the conventional manner where you're putting a steel or wood casket in the ground. Typically at a conventional funeral cemetery, you have a concrete box around the casket itself. Really? It's like a grave liner, it's called. And the basic reason for it is to prevent the ground from sinking eventually when the casket decomposes so if you you imagine you bury a a wooden casket directly in the ground eventually that casket will start to break down and the cemetery the plot above could sink a little bit if you go to a really old cemetery you might see a slight depression in the ground okay so most funeral homes and cemeteries require not by law but just by their own um, preference guidelines Mm -hmm. require a concrete grave liner six or eight inches thick you can choose as the family (laughs) Um, and so that is sitting in the ground and then in the in that to that goes the casket and then of course there's a headstone and and basically the idea is that piece of land is then used up forever Mm -hmm. which is interesting and then they've got the mowing of the 
grass and the watering typically of the cemetery. So there's, there's like a pretty s- steep kind of waste input and also some of the manufacturing transport of all that material has a pretty big carbon input. And then cremation, of course, is a little more straightforward, although often in the U.S. at least, bodies are cremated with a casket. So you have that as a waste wow. input, and then you have carbon and mercury and particulates emitted when the, the body is burned. Typically, that's a natural gas, so then you have a fossil fuel being used as well. Holy and I think the crap, footprint people burn for... the caskets, too. Yes, What's I know. What's the point? It's, it's, it's a bit strange. What an expensive but... thing to buy and then burn. So. <laughs> It does happen. It does happen. The carbon footprint of cremation and burial is like kind of around the same. We did a life cycle assessment two years ago comparing we being a PhD in life cycle assessments and a a team from the Netherlands looking at cremation, burial, and what is now being called natural organic reduction or recomposition and compared those three and found that natural organic reduction both avoids the emissions uh, and carbon footprint of conventional options, but also because we're sequestering carbon into soil from the wood chips and the straw and the body, Mm -hmm. we're actually showing a pretty good carbon savings of about 1.4 metric tons per person. Wow. And to me, there's also this aspect of we're also helping i think to create stewards of the earth when your oh, if your grandmother that. turns into soil that soil you could bring to conservation land and you start to have a different relationship with the entire natural cycle that you wow. maybe didn't have before Oh, I love that. And I think that that's so important for people because along with so many things there is such a disconnect when it comes to death. Like I didn't even understand that a whole casket gets burned or that there's a whole cement block in the ground underneath that's really uh, preventing decomposition of a body in a cemetery. Like I have such a disconnect with death. We have a disconnect with where our food comes from, with where our clothing comes from in Western culture, especially. And so all of these disconnections are really sad in a way and I think that reintroduction of connecting with the land and connecting with you know you spread some of the soil from your loved one's body in a conservation area or on a family property or something like that and that whole area now becomes special to you it's not just that little tiny pile of earth that you've laid down because it's connected everywhere and plants are growing everywhere and being spread like Now you have this amazing connection with the earth. That's so beautiful. You know, say your grandparents have a farm and it's a really special place and they pass away on the farm and you'd like to officially bury them on that property. Is that a thing that's allowed? I believe that that really varies by state or province and sometimes it even varies by township. Oh, wow. Okay. So in some places you can do that, but you have to first register the land as a cemetery, which can be quite expensive. Wow. Okay. So, and in some places you can do that, but you have to put it on the title so that if you sold the land, the next person would know. So it's not that I, I don't, it's definitely not the same everywhere. In some places it is illegal. In some places there are hoops to jump through, but it, it is possible in mm-hmm. some places as well. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of laws that you had to contend with when you were first starting Recompose? Was it a lot of work to legalize this whole process or was it something that the world was kind of already open to and you just had to make it formal? We basically 
looked at the laws all over the United States to start. And the tricky thing is they're different in every state, mm-hmm. and there's no federal law telling you what you can or can't do with a, a body. So on the one hand, that's good because you're only contending with state governments. On the other hand, that's a lot of states to contend with. Right. So we last year decided to start here in Washington state and looked at the laws as they stood, which said you can do three things with a body after death. You can cremate, you can bury, or you can donate a body to science. Ooh. Yeah. And we decided that our tact would be to add a fourth option to the list, which is again now called natural organic reduction. Yes. And that we would just try to amend the statute so that that was another new legal form of disposition. Right. Before we did that, we partnered with Washington State University, which is out in eastern Washington, because we knew that we would have better luck approaching the legislature if we had proven that this process worked and was safe wow, for humans yeah. as well as for livestock. So we ran a pilot of six human donors, tested and really carefully researched the process as we went and proved that it was indeed safe when we look at pathogens, pharmaceuticals, and heavy metals, proven that all of those things were handled by the process, and then took that research to the Washington State Legislature in January of this year. And then in May, the law passed and was signed by the governor. What a way to approach it, to come with a body of supporting research and proof to then present this as your case. Yeah, I don't know that we would have had very good luck otherwise. It worked yeah. out well. And <laughs> and then so now part of the question that Recompose is asking ourselves on a daily basis is like, how can we help expand this in other places? We have interest all over the world. Like, how can we help other state governments understand the process and make it easy to legalize. So is your format and the structure that you've put in place available for other people in other states and provinces to be able to approach their local body of government to be able to bring this there? It's tricky because every state is so different that there's not really a one-size-fits-all. The bill that we passed is available on the Washington State Legislature website. It's SB. 5001. It's available to look at. I don't know that it would fit every legislature. That's what's tricky. And so one of the things that our team is trying to do is really create some sort of toolkit for states of best practices. Wow, so that yeah. because it's actually it would be also be pretty easy to go in and, and miscommunicate the oh, goals yeah. and the process pretty easily, I think. And so that could actually set back a state or province some time. Right. So it is not, I I wish it was more straightforward than this, but it, I think it's a little bit of a bespoke uh, solution for each. Yeah. And like you said, how much of a setback it could be, especially because it's such an uncomfortable topic to some people that to be like, uh, you want to compost humans? You want to Uh just kind of like turn us into dirt really fast in some, you know, conveyor belt process. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, no. <laughs> right. It's, it's, yeah. So the, the messaging and the kind of way it's approached and who you choose to sponsor the bill, all of those things really play into it. And I've learned over the last six or eight months, oh, it's not as straightforward as I thought. I initially thought, oh, yeah, we can just make a toolkit. People can go ahead and we can have grassroots groups everywhere working on this at the same time. And I'm not sure it's quite as straightforward as that. It'll be interesting. Are there any other groups that you know of that are doing something similar, if not the same urban setting as Recompose, but are doing some sort of natural burial system? Like, is this model happening anywhere else? Not formally or uh, not the same. Not that I know of. I think it will. 
but I don't know of anywhere yet. I think that if you get a group of people that are passionate about this kind of death care, then it'll happen and it just requires the same thing that you were able to put together, then yeah, it'll be able to spread. I think that's such a healthy way to look at death, even from a spiritual aspect. Like I know in the Catholic church, you're not cremated and many Catholics out there tell me if I'm wrong, but um, uh, you're not cremated so that on the last day when everybody is resurrected and brought to heaven, then you've got a body. So the concept of not burning is there. Well, I think that my understanding of the Catholic faith is that you can cremate and you have been able to since the 60s, but can't spread or scatter the ashes. They need to be kept together in like, I think even maybe in a church sanctioned, they might even often be buried, but you can do the cremation ahead of time. We didn't get a formal reason for the Catholic churches being opposed to what what we're doing. But oh, they I have, know. they did come out opposed to the bill. I think part of it is that on the one hand, you look at natural organic reduction and, and you definitely could keep the resultant soil together. So if following the kind of rules around cremation for Catholics, it, it could potentially work that way. Mm-hmm. But since it's something new, they've said they've come out opposed and they also use words like dignity and they don't think it's dignified. And I think to me, that's very much up to a family and, a, and an individual mm-hmm. what the meaning of dignity is. But, um, but the Catholic church has some ideas about what that means. So Interesting. I would love to learn more about that because it could also be that this new concept of recomposition is just like a little bit too unknown yet to be widely accepted. So anybody who is interested in getting involved in Recompose and whenever your Seattle location does open, can people reserve a spot now? Is it like buying a plot of uh, a cemetery? Not quite, but we have, well, the first way that people can get involved is to come to our website, which is www.recompose.life, mm-hmm. L-I-F-E. And we have a super easy sign up for our newsletter button. And I send out a newsletter once a month and tell you how we're doing, where we are in our process, how close we are to opening Recompose Seattle. Wow. So we love people to just become involved simply by joining our newsletter. And it's really easy to do. We are working on structure, like creating a pre-arrangement structure. So a way for people to say, this is definitely what I want. Here's how I'm going to let my family know. And I can even sort of start to prepay so that you can get everything arranged. Mm -hmm. We really want to do that because frankly, we've just had so many people ask us for that to exist. Yeah. Um, And if you're on the newsletter list, you'll know when you can do that. What does a conventional burial or a conventional cremation cost on average and how does that compare to what recompose might cost so in the u.s cremation starts at around a thousand dollars and goes up to around seven thousand depending on if you have a viewing a casket funeral wow so it's a pretty big range and then conventional burial starts at eight thousand dollars or so Mm. and goes up to the stratosphere really you can pay yeah 25,000 50,000 depending on where your plot is and your casket and all that so those are sort of the two conventional options and recompose is right now looking at charging $5,500 for the whole service and what we wanted to do was really structure it so that the body will be taken care of in a very specific very caring way whether the family can join or not if the family wants to participate we welcome that 
and there's built-in time to spend in the facility. But otherwise, that cost includes the pickup of the body from the Seattle metro region, the scheduling and holding onto that body in refrigerated space until we're ready for the ceremony, mm-hmm. and then the laying in of the body into the vessel. And I, I like to call it like a, a lovely hotel stay in that vessel for about 30 days. Mm. <laughs> so all of that is included. And then if the family wants the soil back, they're welcome to it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, we created partnerships with conservation land that does want that soil. They need the nutrients for the land they're stewarding. Oh, that's so cool that there's a need for that, that it's this gentle resting place all the same as a, as a quiet forest that you know, as a conservation area. Or was there anything else that you were hoping to share at all? No, this has been great. And I guess one thing to tell your listeners is if there's people out there that are interested, we're actually raising investments from what I like to call heart-aligned investors who really get what we're doing. And you can come to our website and see some information about that investment opportunity. Okay. And that's how we're funding this work. If this is something that you want to see more of, even if it's not available in your area, to be able to support this kind of work in other places will make it so much easier for it to eventually the same kind of model or something similar to come to your area. And if this is how you want to be taken care of when you're dead, then support this kind of work now here in Canada, especially. I want it. And I know my dad does too, because he has decided that he wants to be a tree. And so we'll have to plant a tree on top of him. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much, Katrina, for taking the time to connect with me. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun chatting. Okay. Thanks, Katrina. I hope you have a good day. Okay. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you would like to learn more about Recompose, you can go to recompose.life for everything you need to know. There's also the newsletter sign up button Katrina mentioned and all the info necessary for investing in their work. I really hope today's episode sparks some inspiration in an area we never knew could be zero waste. If you liked today's conversation, you might enjoy episode 3, Living Simply, and episode 12, Keeping Food Alive. You can find those in our archives everywhere you get your podcasts, and if you have a moment to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be so appreciated. You've heard this before, but for real, that helps get the word out to other listeners who are looking for this kind of content. And as we approach our 50th episode coming soon, I would love if you would share this pod with a friend or someone who's interested in the planet and podcasts. It's perfect for them. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.